Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Today we're lucky enough to have Catherine Banuel with us. Catherine is the Senior Vice President of Innovation at Thomson Reuters. Thomson Reuters probably doesn't need much of an introduction, but it it's a huge financial services and information company. They operate in more than 100 countries, and in 2015, they had $12.2 billion in revenue. So they're kind of large. So that's Thomson Reuters, and Catherine's in charge of innovation across this gigantic company. And I'm quite curious how she innovates and works with the many different product groups and industries such as pharma, financial, IP, legal. So I, I could probably spend the entire interview just listing everything that Thomson Reuters does. So instead, let's uh, let's hear more about Catherine and her background and how she came uh, to be a head of innovation. So Catherine, thanks for uh, joining us today. My pleasure, Dave. Nice to be here. Definitely. And so first off, let's uh, get to know you a little bit better. Can you just tell us a little bit about your, your background and then how that kind of transitioned into becoming an innovation uh, head of... Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So after... Um, as a very early undergrad from college, I moved to New York City where I worked for what was then Anderson Consulting, now it's Accenture, but doing both strategy and technology, or I'd, I'd say sort of the two overlapped. There was a lot of overlap in the strategy work that we did, and it was all really involved in technology in particular. Um, it was back in the late 90s where it didn't matter sort of what your background was, they could train they could train you to do most anything if you showed the right aptitude. And so I remember my first six weeks were in heavy coding <laughs> school where I had to learn how to program and really understand technology. And it was a skill set that I had never really needed to tap into before. I had always done word processing and I had played around with spreadsheets, um, but never to this level. And I found it really exciting and challenging. Um, what I found the most exciting was the problems that the businesses who are our customers, what types of problems they were trying to solve. Back then it was all around e-commerce and CRM systems, um, ways of reaching customers and call centers. And it, w it was sort of now it seems so antiquated, the, the solutions that we're coming up with. But the problems were still the same. And what's been fascinating is watching that evolution of technology take place throughout my career. Um, but kind of quickly, I, did, I then went back to business school because I knew that I wanted to take a different step or kind of learn new, learn new tools to advance my career. And following business school, soon following business school, I joined the Thomson Corporation, which then became Thomson Reuters a few years later. Um, I really focused on the strategy side at first and used all the skills that I had gained from consulting and strategy and problem solving, building on that business school, sort of typical business school career around strategy consulting. And um, and then kind of through a number of different jobs or roles within the company, kind of got attracted back to technology. And through that process, I became the vice president of technology strategy and enterprise architecture for our healthcare and science business. And it was sort of this, it was a really sweet melding of both my strategy and my technology. 
Um, and I did that for a few years and then wanted change. One of the things that I've loved about Thomson Reuters and how big it is and also the, the diversity of who we sell to, how we sell it, what we sell, um, the professionals that work within the walls of the company itself uh, really provide opportunities to move around and to learn new skill sets and to apply your skill sets in very different industries and areas of the company. So I began to explore different roles in the company. I worked in our chief of staff or CEO um, in a strategy role. I did a, a stint in communications where I really focused on yeah, and technology around communications and did some reorganization work and things like that. Um, I then, I then, I, I then had more of an opportunity to work in our CEO's office, working in strategy, working in the transformation office. And then I was actually, I had a great role working in corporate strategy, really looking at the big shifts of the company and thinking about what is our long-term five-year goal for the whole organization. And in that role, I got to do tremendous work, just really understanding our market, where things were moving globally and in sort of where we needed to invest and put our resources. And then, and then at the, I guess I had kind of finished a big piece of work and was asked to take on this innovation leader role, which I just feel like has really brought together many of the different experiences that I've had, um, both before I joined Thomson Reuters in my academic background and then in experience that I've had with a company, really bringing things together and giving me the platform to create real change at the company. Huh. Yeah, you seem like the perfect person for the innovation role because it brings brings together so many different divisions and all your past experiences. And, uh, and I'm curious, out of those past experiences at Thompson Reuters, is there one that you thought really helped your career the most or you learned a lot or... Um, that you enjoyed the most? I'm trying to think all of that. I mean, in, in so many ways, I've moved around so much. I think, I, so each role I've had, even though I did that technology strategy role for three years, each piece kind of, there were different organizational shifts that took place within those three years. So I've never had a role last longer than a year or two um, before it's made a major shift. Okay. And I think that's been probably, I don't know if it's any one particular role. I think each one has added or created different challenges that I've needed to overcome and learn a lot from. But I think that w what's really shaped me is that being able to evolve and change and keep pushing my own learning and experience has been sort of that overarching greatest learning opportunity across the company yeah that makes sense i mean would, would you consider yourself a, a curious person very right <laughs> it seems like it i mean to want to keep moving and changing and moving up and and then taking on this innovation role um and and before we get too far and i don't know if i did a good enough, good enough job or not but could you just Give a, a brief description of Thomson Reuters, if you can give it brief. I know that's possible, but <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think we play we play in the marriage of content and technology in so many ways. And the cool thing about us is now we're really overlaying this whole innovation piece around content and technology. So when I think about the area that we differentiate ourselves from some other really large companies that might also say they have content and technology. 
we go really deep in industries. So we have financial and risk, which is really focused on the financial service market. If I were to really streamline it and tell you that's sort of the area of focus. We also have an enormous legal business, which sells um, content technology solutions for um, both corporate legal areas as well as um, law firms and and other sort of interested legal parties. Um, and then we have a tax and accounting business, which is really focused on both, again, the firms, but also the corporate customers. Um, and, and the interesting thing is that we hire and we staff professionals in those areas. So a lot of times we bring in our, our own staff to be tax and accounting professionals. They came from big firms or small firms. Um, they used to own their own firms. Hmm. We have lawyers. We have a whole our call center in Egan, Minnesota, which is just outside the Twin Cities. Um, it's staffed with lawyers who have searched and used Westlaw for years. And they now are the people that are helping the research um, assistants and librarians find the answers for lawyers. So there's a lot of really deep content expertise within those areas that truly differentiates both our solutions and the way we sell our products. Um, and it's probably why I like the company so much. There's there's a certain Canadian roots to our company as well. And there's just this sort of, from a very, um, it's, it's probably a little bit of a generalization, but there's a real authenticity and a hmm. desire to do good work and to to impress our customers by being a solid a solid corporation that delivers on what we say we're going to do. Huh, interesting. Yeah, you don't always hear that. Yeah, I've interviewed a lot of people, and that doesn't always come across. I like that. I can see why it's a nice place to work. Um, so, Absolutely. Yeah. So, as, as head of innovation, you know, what what are some of your main priorities? Because you, you, there, you have so many uh, divisions to cover and so many people to um, to talk to. How do you? Uh, yeah. So the. The interesting thing about innovation and how we look at innovation across the company is innovation needs to happen everywhere. Um, I'll tell you just a little bit more about our history as a company because I do think it's important to understand that and know where we're coming at innovation from. But we had always been a very acquisition-led growth company. And what I mean by that is we did about 300 acquisitions in seven or eight years. Wow. So if you can imagine just the churn of bringing on new companies and divesting some companies, but really bringing in those acquired companies into the fray. And at the end of 2013, we really kind of had, and this is when I was part of the corporate strategy team, but we had this realization that we needed to change the way that we were growing. And acquisitions weren't working out for us in the same way as we looked towards the future, that that was not going to be our growth engine moving forward. Rather, we needed to make sense of the acquisitions we had already acquired. We needed to streamline our platforms. We needed to rationalize our content sets. We needed to create greater leverage across the whole of our enterprise. But at the same time, if we stopped all of our acquisitions, where's growth going to come? And that's where my role really became so pivotal in that we needed to generate and kickstart an entire innovation program to really shift not only the culture of the company, but how we thought about driving growth, whether it was top-line growth and developing new products, creating new services, creating ways that we better sold to customers, 
Um, but also things like how do we change the experience customers have? How do we improve the way that we go to market and make things easier from a, from a billing retention? All of those aspects of sort of the go to market perspective of our products and, and, and then also operational efficiencies. So innovation can take many different views and we need to think about how do we innovate on our processes? How do we streamline things and make them more simple? So I tell you all of that because then when you say, what is your role in innovation? My role isn't to actually develop the technologies or come up with the next great product opportunity for us. My role is to unlock the intelligence of the resources we have across the company and give people a voice and kind of the the perch to go off and build and create those new great ideas. So we've created many different processes and programs to generate innovation, to enable greater um, greater participation in innovation across the company at all different levels and in all different functions. Um, so it, it's a very kind of broad remit, but we have to create real structure so that people know about how they can get involved and participate in what we're doing around innovation. So it's, it, there's, I, I wish I could say, well, no, I, I like my role so much, but there are some days that I wish I could say I'm focused on the innovation of virtual reality, but that's not where I'm focused. I'm focused on understanding what is virtual reality, who are the resources that understand it, how do we give them enough room so that they can test and quickly trial different opportunities that might exist there with customers and give them kind of the the free range to develop things in a in a safe and productive environment well and this is kind of a side discussion but that's interesting can you uh, share what you're doing in virtual reality we're just doing some cool stuff i mean some actually where some of our virtual reality has taken place has been working with the thomson reuters foundation Huh. So we we are, um, I think we did one like video. I mean, some of the news group does things. I think that there was something around Carnival in Brazil where they're just testing different technologies and figuring out how do we capture stories and share stories using that that method. There's just kind of a, a group of people that we have to try out and test new things and figure out, are there any ways that this potentially would help advance um, some of our businesses and some of our customers' experiences? Interesting. Okay. And, and I remember you wrote an article that I read about how you said that innovation can come from anywhere and that there's actually a lot of creative, you know, everyone's probably creative in their own, own right. And there's creative people in HR and legal. And so you mentioned that you have processes in place to kind of help bring about innovation. Like, can you uh, talk about any of those processes that have helped kind of uh, the innovation mindset at Thomson Reuters? Sure. Yeah, one of the one of those things is called the Catalyst Fund, and it's an innovation fund that I might manage. Um, it's directly our executive sponsor is our CEO Jim Smith. We meet on a monthly basis. Um, anybody from across the organization can submit a proposal for an innovation idea. The one sort of trick that makes sure that there's some sort of oversight or sort of hurdle to just weed out some of the some of the ideas is that people need to get a P&L sponsor or a sort of a senior level sponsor that understands our customers um, to to at least say that they support the 
us exploring this idea. And those teams then submit their ideas. We have a, we do have a somewhat of a process to sort of the certain form that they have to fill out. Um, we go through all the forms. We help coach the teams on how to write and pitch their ideas. Then they get an audience with not only our CEO, but also about four or five of his direct reports who talk about the idea that, well, they pitch it. There's a lot of discussion questions around what the idea is, and then they can get up to $100,000 to build a proof of concept. Um, at that point, they go off. They can use that money up to the $100,000 to build out that proof of concept. It, then they can they come back to the Catalyst Fund and share if they think it was successful or not, and they have the opportunity to then ask for more money. But this time, it has to be the funding has to be split between my my fund and the business unit sponsor. Um, and that's, that's an additional chunk of money that they can put into that. And that would help to build out the prototype. And then from there, it, it turns over to the business unit. It's still kind of incubated and watched and tracked by us to give it a little bit of additional support. But we then track to see how the business units adopt those ideas and they get into market. That's creative. That's one of the programs that we have. We also have, um, we also do different workshops to drive different thinking around lean experimentation. We do workshops around particular ideas, like something like open data, link data. We have different workshops on cognitive computing. Um, we have different workshops on particular ideas where we'll bring people from across the enterprise because we, we do tend naturally to be somewhat siloed and we try to get cross-functional teams to come together and share their resources, share what they have and think about new use cases and how we could um, go to market in new ways. Interesting. Well, yeah, those are creative. I like the, I like the fund, the catalyst fund that, and how, uh, yeah, that's a nice process you work, you have them work through and, and, if uh if the idea comes to fruition, the, does the person with the idea is driving forward? Do they kind of do they get to lead the charge if they want, or how does that how does that work? If they sorry, oh, yeah, explain. If, so if, if they get, yeah, if they come up with that idea and they decide to go forward with it, uh, do they get to kind of to lead that new initiative based yes. on that idea? They get to lead. What we've noticed, they certainly need to learn how to recruit a great team around them um, because it's, it ends up being an addition to their day jobs. And huh. so they we have often found that they need to have a cross-functional team with project management and technology resource and domain expertise and some content assets. So there's um, teams learn really fast what it takes to have a sort of mini startup, but there's definitely ownership and stewardship of their idea. We don't get involved in kind of taking an idea and running with it. It's, it's certainly they remain as the leader of that idea. And is it almost like its own startup? So are they talking to customers and reaching out to potential partners um, through yep, that process? Absolutely. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's creative. I like that. So when did you guys start doing that? Um, January of 2014. Oh, okay. So the program has been in place for two and a half years. Interesting. Have you had any ideas come to, to market through that? Yeah, we've had a whole bunch of ideas come through. Um, some into market. Some of them are more, we call them experience innovations, but thinking about different ways of using the data that we have to to go to market in smarter ways. Um, 
some of them are operational innovations around efficiencies. So we have sort of a, a smattering of different ideas. I think we've had 26 ideas come through all the stages of funding and maybe I, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think like 10 or 12 that have actually gone to market. Wow. Um, and some of them are pretty sig- well, significant. They're still early days, but we're seeing good trending on them. Interesting. Okay. Well, and it just helps kind of uh, embed that whole culture of innovation. Like people know that's there and that you guys are supporting it and you have the attention of the CEO and this direct reports. And so that's, that's a big deal. One, one thing that's sort of an interesting highlight that many people have asked me as I've talked to people at different companies about the fund is, and I think that these are really important aspects of how to drive something like this to be successful, but having that full engagement and support of the CEO has been critical. Um, another aspect is we don't ask for a business case up front. It's very back of the envelope. It's very high level swag of what the potential opportunity could be in huge ranges, like one to $10 million, 10 to a hundred million dollars and a hundred million dollars plus. It's sort of in that we keep it really broad so that this is really an opportunity to find a quick way to learn. It doesn't have to be, um, it's a way of testing things. It's not a way of kind of creating a really structured business case and in a very formal environment. It's it's supposed to test and learn along the way and then refine our learning as we go or our understanding as we go. Interesting. And right, and supporting people who are brave enough to come forward with an idea and uh share it and you know they make it shot down. There's but, a huge yeah, there's yeah. a huge cultural um, element to the program because we are able to go around and lead workshops for people or hear a great idea that somebody pulls us aside and says, Hey, I've been thinking about this innovation for a while. And we have an outlet to give them and to support them. Um, so that's, I think an important, a very important part of this program. Interesting. And, and so I'm curious, how do you work with the different product groups? Like, do you approach them or do they approach you or would you go to them and say, Hey, we have some ideas or is it more, you kind of help facilitate, I mean, it sounds like you help facilitate the innovation, but uh, yeah, how is it structured so that you touch all the different product groups? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's, I'd say sometimes it's push and sometimes it's pull. So I, I felt like we hadn't yet done enough in some of our global centers. And so I'm, I'm going to China to learn more about what they've been doing around innovation and to share some of the resources that we have around innovation across the company. Um, I, I think I'm actually going to be floored in how much they have taken and run with around the thought of innovation, but I have a lot to learn there. Um, I think in some of our product groups, some are more keen to be a part of this than others. And so one is making sure that the people that really want to be involved and want to participate, they feel that they have the tools that they're at the ready and they can just kind of use them and leverage them as needed. And then for those areas that are a little bit more skeptical, it's just spending more time with the teams and letting them know um, what the opportunities are and where the upside is for them if they want to get involved. So I think it, it depends. Um, it depends across the board. Okay. And you mentioned the international. I didn't think about this, but do you think over time there'll be, you know, you're across 100 different countries. Everyone has a very different view on how business is done or technology. Do you see ideas coming from across the world more and more 
being integrated or and yeah. More, yeah yeah we we do I think that we need to do a better job though because the language barrier is real and so even I mean just I'll give you an example from a timing perspective our an Australian team came up with a pitch and that they really wanted to to come forward and pitch their idea fabulous idea really exciting but it meant that they had to get up at 3 a.m. in oh. order to make the Catalyst Fund meeting. And so there are challenges like that. I know in China there's a, some hesitancy. People feel like, oh, can you proofread it and make sure that the English is good enough so that we can pitch it in a really strong way. We've we've provided the support that we can, and some of those ideas are just killing it. I mean, we had one idea come through the Catalyst Fund, and it's, it's revenue generating in a few short months. It's pretty incredible. Wow. Um, if we can tap into the right people and make sure that they really understand the program and that if they have hesitancies of getting involved, how do we, how do we support them? How do we fly them from Australia into wherever the majority of the panel is sitting so that they can be there face to face and on a normal or on a, on a time zone that they can acclimate to and really feel that they're getting the most out of it. I think we need to, we need to do those things to truly feel and act like a global company that is, that's driving innovation together. Definitely. And, and how, and how do you continue to, uh, gather new ideas from the different groups and the employees across the you know, Thomson Reuters? You know, I imagine at the beginning of the Cal's fund, there's a lot of excitement, but how do you kind of sustain that, uh, innovation or the, the idea generation? We keep sharing. I mean, the highlights of what we're learning from the catalyst fund projects. I mean, if we look at, strictly the Catalyst Fund. I think we had a lot of ideas at the beginning. And then as we started going through them, people are getting smarter about what really does a good idea look like early stages. And so I would say that while the pipeline isn't, we don't have the same quantity as early stages, we probably have better quality for the most part. Um, And I think there's always people that want to, they come up with a new idea. I mean, we have... 50 some odd thousand people, we, there, there's always new ideas and we ask for ideas. We lead these challenges where we'll also, for the, the way that we do innovation challenges, we'll work with a team and say, what, what's the main issue that you have? Where's a customer pain point? Where's an issue in the organization? Um, and then we will kind of host that as a challenge out to the organization and say, can anybody come up with solutions for this challenge that we're seeing and we'll get ideas from all over the company that help create um, ideas and generate innovative ideas around solving a given problem. So that's how we can also make sure that our innovation activities really tie back to some of our strategic imperatives. Okay. Okay. And and are there any uh, certain technologies or ideas that you're especially excited about or maybe technologies coming in the future? This is kind of a broad question. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say a couple, a couple that probably, well, a few that probably get me the most excited. One would be cognitive computing. Um, I think that that's a really interesting area as we look at that overlay of content and technology. Another would be blockchain, just because it's early days and nobody really knows what's going to happen. Yeah. But there's a lot of interest in some of the biggest banks around understanding it and innovating around it. And then probably third would be this whole idea of how do we sell in these marketplace formats? So thinking about innovation as 
ways of going to market or developing tools and capabilities um, that impact and affect the the customer business relationship or the B2B relationship in these marketplaces that we're seeing um, that have become really disruptive. And I think those those three areas are three that I'm I'm keenly passionate about. And can you, can you just describe what you mean by cognitive uh, computing? Yeah, so uh, most people know about Watson and the Jeopardy yep. case, yeah. right? So yeah. thinking about thinking about that and the power of understanding data and computer learning in those ways. And when you think about many of our products, we have content and technology that come together that solve people's problems, that provide answers for our customers. Yet how how do we do that in new ways to really make the computer that much smarter and and help our customers? And and we need to be at the forefront of that. Yeah, yeah, you guys have so much data. You could be a really take advantage of, of that uh, space, that's for sure. Interesting. Okay. Um and I I was also curious uh how do you as a head of innovation like measure your goals or your outcomes because it's a little it seems it's a little more it might be a little more gray area, right? You're not going to hit a certain revenue number or sales number or or produce this you know this number of uh, widgets. <laughs> How do you uh, how do you measure um, what you're doing? Yeah, that's a great question. I, we are heavily uh, metrics driven organization in general, and one of the things when I first came into this role that I realized pretty quickly, and then started kind of talking to people about, was when you're creating a new initiative like this, all you have are leading indicators. There's not lagging indicators. You don't know immediately if what you're doing is working or it's not working. And the exciting thing about having been either leading this function or helping support sort of the overall goal of it when I was in corporate strategy was beginning. Now we're beginning to see some of the lagging indicators. So we, we trap a lot of the metrics around ideas in where globally we're finding reach and people excited about things. Um, we do surveys. We, you know, from a cultural perspective, there's a lot that we can gather. We can gather a lot around who's being trained from an internal perspective and different levels of sort of our innovation learning. Um, but then also now we've begun to see where, where are we having either bottlenecks in our process around innovation? Um, because we're able to see sort of the way that the pipeline is working and we can generate trends around what ideas are getting to market, what's the nature of those ideas, what ideas seem really good, but they're not able to be adopted into the business unit and getting into market. Why is that? What what do we need to change about the way that we are organized or the way that we think about launching new products to enable those processes to be more streamlined? So we, we captured uh, quite, a, I, I want to say it's like, I, I don't, I'm not even going to quote the number of metrics that we capture on a quarterly basis, but many of them now are more lagging indicators so that we are able to see mm. the rev- revenue uplift of some of these incubated projects and what's, what's happening there. Mm. Yeah. No, that makes even sense. Even customer adoption. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. These new ideas that you're kind of bringing to the market. That's, I, I've talked to other pe- other head of innovations and they don't necessarily have that, but that's, that's pretty powerful from a, at least your perspective, be able to show that you actually, uh, I mean, and generating new re- fresh revenue is not easy. So uh, to do that is 
Yeah. It's impressive. And it just kind of snowballs, I think, over. And Well, it's hard, too. I mean, I, I wish we still have a long way to go, but I think we're making traction and we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, sounds like it. And so we're we're getting near near the end of the interview, but I got a couple more questions. Um, one is, uh, all right, so a lot of this is internal focus, which makes sense. Are you still looking for uh, external partners to work with, or is it mainly internal focused right now? Absolutely. No, external partnerships are incredibly important to our growth. So I think historically, again, we've acquired growth and we didn't focus and we always had internal innovation and technology teams and R&D and teams that were doing something. But now there's sort of a, a much larger push. There's also a huge push around partnerships. So startups are doing, they're able to move a lot faster. They're able to understand new technologies so quickly. They're on the forefront of really capturing some of the biggest shifts that are going on globally right now. And we have to learn from them. We need to partner with them because what we're good at is taking those technologies and scaling the heck out of them. Mm. So how do we look at our strengths and their strengths and marry them together in a way that's beneficial to both the startup as well as our company when we necessarily don't want to acquire them anymore and they don't necessarily want to be acquired by us. So there's sort of an interesting role there or evolution there of both our company. And I think the way that a lot of big companies are looking at startups um, and also universities. If we think about most big research universities now have a arm to them around developing technology and spinning it off and how do they license it? How do they create those relationships? We need to be really strong, have some strong partnerships with the right universities that we can work with. And so we are, we are certainly going down that path and have been going down that path for quite a while now. Okay. And, are there certain uh, technologies or areas you're especially interested in? And I suppose each business unit would probably have their own answers, but I thought I'd at least asked to, to see if you had any an answer to that as well. Yeah, I'd say things like um, fintech broadly, okay. right? So financial yep. technology. Um, certainly things like predictive analytics are really interesting. Um, anything around sort of big data, visualization, I mean, there's there's so much we have. Uh, we have someone that's really focused on understanding the startup ecosystem and who's doing what, and then figuring out which business units would benefit from learning more about those different startups. And that's been a huge asset to us as a company, just to have somebody that we re that really can understand the value that the startups are creating, and then also make sure that they're connected with the right people across the organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's smart, having that person. Interesting. Okay. And so last question, which is going to be two questions, but maybe you can pick which one you'd rather answer. You One one question is, uh, you know, what what's uh, one or two uh, major mistakes you've made and what have you uh, learned from them? Or those, these are both a little more personal. Sometimes a good way to end the, the interview. Or, you know, you've been at Thompson Reuters for a long time, moved through different <laughs> divisions. It has been certain mentors there or outside of Thompson Reuters that have really helped um, in your career moving along. Yeah, um, I, I'm happy to answer either of those. All right, or you can um, do both. I mean, you can do both. <laughs> yeah, well, I can do the, the mentor one yeah. for sure. Okay. So I have been fortunate enough to have 
many great people that I've worked for, um, both at the company um, and prior to coming to coming to the company. Um, I have a particular mentor that is has become just a dear friend, but still remains on a pedestal as a mentor. And she she works at Thomson Reuters. Um, and what I've been so fortunate around that is that there's sort of the bleeding of personal relationship as well as professional relationship that has helped a lot because as you move up in your career, um, you tend not to get the really direct and frank feedback that you need to continue to evolve and continue to learn because people become less and less um, willing to kind of give you that feedback. And it's really helpful to have someone who is willing to give you the feedback and the guidance and also understands who you are as a person to help um, to help coach you and guide you and knows your hot buttons and also knows where you really have huge opportunity to drive and deliver. Um, even those people that you can call up when you're negotiating a new, a new role and that you'll, they'll talk to you and they'll, they'll think it through and the best way of handling things. I think that we all need people like that, or at least I have, and I've really benefited from, um, one particular relationship, but then also, I mean, countless other relationships of just really great people that I've learned from and who have taken an interest and pride in watching my career continue to progress and move along. Yeah, I really like the answer, especially the one on feedback. I, I didn't. You don't always think about that as you get up, move up. Sometimes people aren't as blunt on the feedback, and I guess you have to be willing to accept it too. And uh, but you uh, you expose yourself to lots of new roles, so you must, like you said, you're curious, but you must also be open to feedback and learning, which is a why you are where you are right now. <laughs> As a, yeah, I, I, I won't lie. It sometimes stings, the negative <laughs> feedback, but you need, I think you still need it to to evolve and move move ahead. Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of the best ways to grow, probably. So Absolutely. I, I think that just about does it, unfortunately, but this has been awesome. So, uh, Catherine, def- definitely appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us and I learned a lot about what you're doing in Thomson Reuters, and it's uh, I love what you're doing. So thanks for sharing and telling us more about the, your background and what you're doing now. Excellent. Well, thank you for the, the time and the nice conversation. Definitely. And thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Flyover Labs, and appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.